We continue our thoughts on Easter, that first resurrection day. Our text will be out of Luke chapter number 24 and John chapter number 20. Both of those resurrection texts for today. A number of years ago, I was asked to speak at my Uncle Olaf's funeral service. He attended a Presbyterian church in Connecticut. So I drove out there on a Friday night, and I arrived at the church early on Saturday for the service. And I kind of wanted to meet the pastor, so I wandered into the church towards the back of the church looking for the pastor's office. And the lady met me in the hall, and she said, can I help you? And I said, well, I'm here for Olaf Olson's funeral. And I thought I might see the minister before the service. And she pointed to a closed door and said, that's the pastor's office, but you can't go in just now. And I thought maybe he was praying or studying, preparing himself some way for the service. And then the lady went on, said, before a service, he always steps outside and smokes a cigarette. And he hates to be disturbed when he's having a smoke. So you can't go in just now. <laughs> When he finally did come out, he barely spoke to me. He obviously didn't consider me to be important enough to pay any attention to, which didn't bother me one bit. There is a certain arrogance that a person has who says to his congregation, don't bother me when I'm smoking. <laughs> and I'm sure that arrogance was extended to all who entered the church there are people who believe in a hierarchy, in a higher class of Christians. Sometimes denominations embrace the idea that their leaders are a step above the people. And sometimes their leaders agree with that idea and are happy to remain aloof of the people. I remember I was at a Catholic funeral once. And a friend of mine said, here, I want to introduce you to the priest. Now, I suppose the priest thought that I was a family member at first, so he stopped to be introduced. My friend said, this is Eric Olson. He's a pastor at East Shelby Church. And the priest said, oh, and he turned around and walked away. <laughs> I, I wasn't very important to him. There's an old poem that was written about ministers who believe they are superior to the people. And it says that this minister went looking for God, and so he climbed up as high as he could get, searching for God, and he went way up in the church steeple, the highest place he could find. When he got way up high, he said, Okay, I'm here. Where are you, Lord? I'm up here in the steeple. And the Lord answered back, Well, I'm down here with the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we continue our Easter thoughts now, we come to the last appearance of Jesus on that first resurrection day. Early before dawn, Jesus arose from the dead, left the tomb empty. 
A group of ladies who apparently started from different locations had agreed to go to the tomb, wash the body of Jesus, put more spices on it, and rewrap it carefully. A sad and somewhat gruesome task. Apparently they arrived at different times. Of course, nobody had watches in those days. So some saw the empty tomb. Some of the ladies saw angels. Some went inside the tomb. Some of them didn't. But it was to those faithful women that Jesus made his first appearances on Easter morning. Later on, he would appear to Peter, and then to two men who were leaving Jerusalem and walking on the road to Emmaus. And later on that evening, Jesus would appear to his disciples for his final stop on that first Easter day. Luke explains the first half of what happened that night, and John explains the second half. Now, just moments before Jesus appeared, these two men who talked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus ran all the way back seven miles to Jerusalem, burst into the room, breathlessly saying, we uh, just saw Jesus, and we talked to him on the road. And so we begin on Luke chapter number 24, Uh, Right where they came in the room, verse uh, 35. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And well, they yet believed not for joy and wondered He said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat it before them. That's the first half of that evening. Now we turn over to John chapter number 20 and begin reading at verse number 19. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Picture it in your minds. The disciples have come together. They've made it late after dark and they've gone probably to that same upper room where they had the last supper and they locked the doors now it says that for fear of the Jews they locked the doors they believed that after Jesus had been crucified by the Jews they would be next 
And if the Jews had successfully crucified Jesus, uh, they would have no trouble doing the same thing to his disciples. So they were afraid. Waited till after dark, came in and locked the door. But the reports of the different sightings of Jesus had caused them to gather, even if it was dangerous, not because they believed the report. All the sightings had been from women. And women in those days couldn't even testify in court. They were considered poor witnesses. You couldn't believe what they said. So who would believe them anyway? And then two men burst into the room, claimed to have seen Jesus. Now obviously disciples in their mind have come to a conclusion. All of these appearances that the women talked about was nothing but the ghost of Jesus. Jesus was a spirit and was meeting people as a spirit. Now you might ask why? Why is it they don't believe Jesus was resurrected? I would say emotion. And I would say feeling. Dark emotions had led them to a very deep depression. And depression has a tremendous force on all that we think and do. Three days before, they were eating supper with Jesus. And then you can think of what happened. A confusing whirlwind of events suddenly began to unfold. Jesus is arrested. He is tried and convicted all in about four or five hours. Six hours later, he's nailed to a cross, and by 3 p.m., he's dead. Who can process it in their mind? Satan's attack was so swift and decisive. And crucifixion also isn't like any other death. It is final. It is violent and never leaves any victims behind. So there's no doubt whatsoever that Jesus is dead. So their thoughts, their best friend... Their leader for the last three and a half years is dead and buried. It's over. And it's shocking and it's depressing. And who can take it in? But there's even more to it than that for a reason that they are so slow to believe. And even now, when Jesus appears, as he's suddenly standing in the room with them, they still think he's a ghost. Why? There's another reason for their depression. And I think it's a much deeper and heavier weight that's pressing down on them all. You see, when Jesus had said a few weeks before, I'm going to Jerusalem, 
You remember that Thomas said, well, we might as well all go die with him. And when Jesus said at the Last Supper, you will all be ashamed of me tonight, Peter said, not me, not me. I will go to die with you. And all the rest of them in the room heartily agreed, we will never abandon you. But now, as they gather, locked in and afraid, all that they can think of is this. We are sad, miserable failures. We all fell short. We all promised to die with him. But the real fact is that Judas, one of us, betrayed him. And Peter, another one of us, denied ever knowing him. And all the rest of us ran off into the darkness in the night and hid. Only one, John, actually uh, saw Jesus on the cross. And the whereabouts of all the rest is completely unknown. They completely abandon Jesus in his darkest hour. They failed him completely. And guilt has made them fearful of even seeing Jesus. So when he's suddenly in the room, they think he's a ghost, he's a spirit. His first words are, as he suddenly appears, peace be unto you. That was a common greeting in those days. And it was what Jesus always said. He's trying to get them to accept him as here I am, the same person. I'm alive, so peace be to you. And they freeze in fear. And so he says those wonderful words, touch me. Here, touch my hands. Put your hand on my side. Feel me. Ghosts don't have flesh and bone. (laughs) I like what Luke says. He's got a good way of putting things. He said, they believe not for joy. Now, in our language, it would be this. This is too good to be true. (laughs) It's too good to be true. We want it to be true, but it's so wonderful, we just can't quite take it all in. And they stand there stunned, and Jesus says, what's for dinner? (laughs) So they give him fish and honeycomb, and just like he always did before he ate his meal... Like he used to eat. And then it says this. They were glad. It's Jesus. Sure enough, they were glad. Jesus always knows what to do for us. You notice, Jesus didn't say, So where were you, traitors? He didn't say that. That's what we'd say, right? And he didn't say, you promised to die with me. 
Where were you? And he didn't say with friends like you, I don't need enemies. No, here's what he said. Peace be unto you. Forgiving. Forgetting the past. He says all your fears. You got the door locked. All your anxieties. All your guilt. And the weight of it that you feel. All your weakness. Let me replace them all with gladness. You see me. You touch me. I speak peace into your heart. And you feel gladness. All is well. And so it was. What a relief. What a fullness of joy. And what a change in emotion. From fear and guilt and sadness to peace and joy and gladness. So fast. I just can't quite grasp it all. As Jesus is eating his meal, they watch him, and I'm sure they can barely hold back the tears. It feels so good. He's there again. But as the night progresses, Jesus will repeat what he said first. Peace be unto you. Now why say it again? Why say it the second time? One of the great questions that all the disciples had was, so, what do we do now? When Jesus was arrested, what do we do now? When Jesus was put on trial, they're trying him. What do we do now? And when he was crucified, now, what are we going to do? And especially when he died and they took him off the cross and they laid him in that tomb in depressing mindset, they say, what are we going to do now? But now... He's risen from the grave. He's not a ghost. But he has a real body. Same question. So what do we do now? <laughs> what do we do now? Jesus will give them a reason and a job for them to do now. John chapter 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so <coughs> send I you. Just like he said, God sent me into the world. So he sent me to do a job. I'm going to send you to do a job. God sent me, Jesus said, to shine a light. And I am the light of the world. And God sent me to reveal God so you'd know who he was. 
And you know what I said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And God sent me into the world to do good. And I healed the sick, and I opened blind eyes, and I made the deaf hear and the dumb to speak, and I even raised the dead. And I was moved with compassion for people. So, I send you on the same mission to show light, to guide people to God, to reveal the truth about Jesus, to show compassion on people. So go, I'm sending you. My mission is completed. So now I send you. You are to go to the rest of the world and do just like I did. Reveal me. Tell my story. And show love and kindness. Now, if you don't feel like you can handle that, you'll have to have some power to do what I did. Verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them, saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now remember, when Jesus started his job, his ministry, he was baptized in the Jordan River by John. And you recall that the Spirit came down on him in the form of a dove as he came up out of the water. Now notice, he breathed on them. If you will recall way back in the book of Genesis, when God made Adam, it says he breathed on him and he became a living soul. And now Jesus breathes on the disciples. It's a new life now. There's a new spiritual enemy, energy. Adam sinned and fell from grace. Jesus came now to restore a new kind of life. And you might say, like I thought, I thought the Holy Ghost came at Pentecost. Well, let me assure you, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again. So my advice is take all you can get. When I came in this room this morning, it was empty, not quite empty, of course. It was full of air, or we'd all drop down. So the room was full of air. And the flowers filled the room with fragrance. And then we filled it with music, didn't we? Then we filled it with singing. And now we fill it with God's words. And so this room is filled over and over and over again. Take all you can get of God's Spirit. You'll always need more. You can be filled over and over again. So don't worry about, well, I thought the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. Jesus gave it to him there. you get some more later. Take all you can get. And now, verse 23. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever you sins you retain, they are retained. Well, who can remit sin or forgive it? Who can retain sin? And here's where people come along and say, look, 
That's out of my league. That's only for some elite class. That's for the apostles, or it's for priests, or for the class of people who are leaders. Don't think you got that kind of power. So who is this for? Just the apostles? No. Why don't you think exactly how the evening started? It's very important. How the evening started. They saw him. They touched him. They felt his peace rushing into their heart. And they were glad. My friends, this is for you and for me. Have you seen Jesus? Do you know him? Do you recognize his voice? Have you seen him with the eyes of your heart? Those two men who walked to, with Jesus to Emmaus didn't recognize him with their eyes. But later on they said, but our hearts were burning inside of us. You can see him with your heart. Have you felt his touch? Have you seen him guiding your life? Have you known him to change your circumstances? Have you felt his peace flooding into your heart? And did he ever make you glad? For many of you, you can answer all four questions. Yes, I've seen him, I've felt him, I've known his peace in my heart, and he has made me glad. Then here's a message that the risen Jesus has for you. So send I you. I'm sending you to go tell others. I'm giving you the power to do it the way I did it. And you can tell people this. Jesus died to forgive you, and if you ask to be forgiven and you mean it, you truly mean it in your heart, I can guarantee you are forgiven. And if you are not sorry for your sin, and if you refuse to ask Jesus to forgive you, I can guarantee you still carry the load of your own sins and you are not forgiven. It's the ultimate fact of the death and resurrection of Christ. He died to forgive sins and he rose to prove that he could do it. You don't have to go to any priest and ask him. You don't have to go to any big shot and say to him, please, sir, forgive my sins. This is a message for plain, ordinary people like the disciples who were nothing but a group of fishermen. This is a message for people who have failed, like the disciples. This is a message for people who see and touch and believe, like the disciples did. You recall when he died, the veil of the temple was ripped by God from the very top to the bottom. No need for priests to get in between you and God ever again. 
And so, my friends, the resurrection is for you. He did it for you. He rose again for you. And his words on that first Easter evening echoed down through the ages. So send I you. Millions have responded to those words. And millions have gone out to others with the good news. We are people who have a mission. We are sent by the risen Lord. And he breathes new life into us. And he says, you can tell people their sins are forgiven and washed away and separated from them as far as the east is from the west. As long as they believe and repent, they can feel the peace of Jesus in their hearts and the gladness that follows it. The resurrected Jesus has passed on his mission to us, his mission to you and me, and his message is this day, so send I you. We used to sing a song when we were kids. So send I you to take to souls in bondage the word of truth that sets the captive free to break the bonds of sin and loose dead death fetters. So send I you to bring the lost to me. And so we say this morning, He is risen He is risen indeed, and we are sent. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful resurrection of Christ and the power that comes with it and the pleasures and the joys that come with it. We want to have all those things. We want to do what you told us to do. So help us, Lord, that we might be faithful to you. We know we have failed you in the past. But that didn't disqualify those disciples. And we know it doesn't disqualify us. We thank you for that. Down in our hearts, we are moved that we might do the will of God and enjoy it. Like Jesus said, it's my meat. It's what I delight in to do the will of God. May it be said of us too, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, to 596. In the back, 596. He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Page 596. Dear Lord, we 
thank you that you have done this great thing. That you have died for us to free us. Though we have failed you, oftentimes again and again, we have run away. We have forsaken you and fled. We have done what the apostles have done. We just ask for that forgiveness. We pray that our hearts would be soft and malleable, true and real repentance in our hearts. Come to us, change us. And we know that we, if, we are, if we only confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you have done that. You have freed us and allowed us and sent us to go and tell others about the forgiveness of sin. We are thankful that we have that message for ourselves and for our friends and our loved ones, our family, and for our enemies as well. May our hearts be ready to tell others. May we go out to where we have been sent, in the places in this earth, and may it be real to us, real as a church, real as a family, real as individuals, wherever we are each day, may we see that the message is clear and plain, and may we, may we broadcast that through how we live and through the words that we say. We thank you for that forgiveness and the freedom that we have and the peace that we can have from these things. Protect us and be with us, Lord, as we know it seems that these times are so shaken and so dark, Lord, and yet you have said, have peace. So we pray that we would continue in your word because we have been sent no matter what the times, no matter what the days to do these things. Bring us safely back to this place that we may be filled again and again by your Spirit. Watch over us, we pray. Help us to seek you throughout this coming week. In your name, amen. amen.